Welcome to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast. My name is Doug Winters, and I will be your host and trusty guide in attempting to demystify the entire daunting process of planning the perfect wedding. In a casual interview format, I'll be talking to the top industry professionals so you can hear directly from them exactly what it is they actually do. Event coordinators, musicians, florists, dress designers, photographers, and even maitre d's that you'll be trusting to make your wedding an unforgettable experience. Hit me up on either Twitter at WedWisdomPod or Facebook at Doug Winters BKS and let me know who you'd like me to have on and what questions you'd like me to ask. And as I remind every couple that I play for, this will inevitably be the most expensive party you'll ever throw, but remember, it's still a party, so try and enjoy yourselves. Let's do the show. Welcome to episode five of the Wedding Wisdom Podcast, and I'm your host, Doug Winters. Today's guest is someone that I've wanted to have on since I started the podcast. Her name is Elizabeth Withers, and she is an extraordinary vocalist. A bit about her resume, she sang backup for Ashford and Simpson, Erica Badu, and my favorite singer of all time, Luther Vandross. She's also been nominated for a Grammy as well as a Tony for originating the role of Suge Avery on Broadway in 2017 in the musical The Call of Purple. It's the same role that Jennifer Hudson just redid in 2016. But I'm having Liz on today to tell a story of when she came to sit in with our wedding band, Best Kept Secret. Now, the band has already got three lead singers, three horns, a four-piece rhythm section, so it's plenty full. So if someone comes by and uh, I ask them to sit in, it's because I know that they're going to add something really special, like like if a, a sax player comes, stops by or if another singer comes by, and Liz being another singer, and not just another singer, but a terrific singer, um, I handed her a mic and just threw her into the party. I knew there was no downside to it. Liz knew the other singers, the other singers knew Liz, and uh, I figured at worst they'll just have some extra fun. What nobody was counting on was that she was about to turn an already successful party into a full-out gospel revival. So here's my friend Liz Withers. So you want to officially begin this? Sure. It's very casual. Okay, well, I'm ready. If you're ready, I'm ready. I'm ready. So, um... Elizabeth Withers. Yes, Elizabeth Withers. What's up, sweetheart? Just working, Doug. We uh, we made a, a cool transition from New York. We were uh, nestled in New Jersey, actually Hoboken for a while. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted Chelsea. Our daughter was getting older. You know, she was like turning the thing seven or something like eight. And so I was like, you know, I I, I was having a little agita about her taking the train from New Jersey, you know, over to the schools. Sure. So Damon was like, well, Elizabeth, you know, let's look at the landscape of music and where the, you know, the, the industry is, is going. And as long as there's an airport and a major city, we can get wherever we need to go. And so, I, you know, he wanted warmer weather and I still love the fast pace of the city. And so first we chose Miami. We were there for a while and then uh, segued into Orlando and we've been loving it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just going to ask you, tell me about uh, Orlando Iron Town. In a nutshell, we take our contacts and our influence and our, um, our uh, favor and we brought it here to marriage with a Southern twist. So, you know, we still do. Most recently in April, we teamed up with Jimmy Fallon and Orange County Public Schools and uh, did an essay. And then you know, and the students that won the essay got to come backstage to meet Jimmy Fallon and the Roots and and then, you know, right immediately after that, we did a uh, teamed up with Coca-Cola and did the first 
uh, music, uh, Black Music Month event. How'd you hook up with Fallon or, or the, the Roots? Or We hooked up with the Roots because uh, Damon's friendship with uh, the bassist, Mark Kelly, and uh, Quest Love. And so they were like, oh my God, we're coming to town and we want to do something. They're coming in with Jimmy Fallon. So Damon was, he's like, he said, oh, this would be great if we can somehow or another team up the Orange County Public School students with what you guys are doing. It'll be an educational experience. Okay, we're well, record, recording there every year. It would be cool if we could come there and I team up with you guys to get the kids and the student schools involved. And so that's what happened. Okay, back up for a second. Tell me about your early years, the early Elizabeth Withers. Um, where you were raised, did you want to, Did you have dreams of being on Broadway? Did you have dreams of being a big pop singer? I came from a small town. One of my goals was to get to New York. And when I got there, I wanted to be with the best band, the best musicians, and the best singers. I felt like that's where I was going to learn the most. And I kept hearing about your band. Everybody was clamoring to get in Doug Winter's band. And it was like the most fun gig with the most incredible musicians. You have to make sure that you're telling everybody that these are weddings that we're playing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I, so, I didn't want people to think we we're like playing at a jazz club or something. Got you. Okay. So Damon was playing with Doug Winters and his incredible band, wedding band. And uh, so he told me what time they were going to be done. And I was finishing up a bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah or something. And so I walked in and there were the most beautiful people on the floor dancing. And I peer through the audience and I see Doug Winter's wedding band up there with like an incredible front line. The singers were wailing, the, the horns. I mean, it was, it was and is an incredible band. And, and I noticed that Doug would do, that you would do everything. Like you were doing, you would load in, you would let down. You, so you passed the mic to me and I thought, okay, this is my chance. Like, I got to fake this three-pointer here, you know, on the court. And the people were right there in the palm of your hands. I just handed her a wireless mic and just shook my head like, you know, go for it. <laughs> and I looked at you like, is it okay? Are you sure? Like, if I say Doug, you say winner. And the crowd just went, Doug, winner, Doug, winner. That was so great. I was like a rock star for like 10 minutes. The crowd just went crazy. And I said, oh, this, that was the best gig ever. And I, I have to tell you, Doug, a lot of people, a lot of uh, band leaders and different things would say later, just like what you just mentioned. You know, I said, I know you were like, on David Letterman. And next thing I know, you were doing, I have to say, and I say to this day, you know, people ask, you know, where did you come from? And how did you, I always say, I'd never look at a gig as a big gig, a small gig, a small, you know, a, a media. It's all a gig and it's their dots that connect for me. And so you giving me that ball and saying, Elizabeth, make this three pointer, you know, from court, make this, make it happen because you're I felt like you were saying, in that moment, I was representing your band and you trusted me in that moment. And so that empowered me for every single job thereafter. And that's straight 100. It's like, I felt like anytime I went on a job, whether it was singing background for Celine Dion or Erica Badu or whoever, Luther Vandross, all the way, you know, auditioning for Wicked and The Color Purple. And I always felt like I had to take that extra step, not just come in as a singer, but like, Come in, at, you, you have to rule and make this your own because I saw you. I mean, with you and your wedding band, you weren't just the musician. You were the, the engineer. You were the, the business person. You wore 
so many freaking hats. And and so you are a real foothold in my in in the decision making business decision making that I made thereafter. Wow, I'm flattered. I had I really had no idea. That's um, genuine. I'm touched. What was even more incredible was your band. Like I didn't know how often you rehearsed with that band, but it was like the band. Whatever we did with the audience, the band, Damon, the drums, the, the bass, it would all. It was amazing. I prided myself on always getting the top people. I mean, to me, it was always like the best compliment when one of my guys left, like when Chris Bodie left to go on the road with Sting. He brought me Jim Hines to replace himself, the number one session player in the city. Uh, or when Billy Cliff left to go on the road with Cool and the Gang, he replaced himself with Keith Fluitt, one of the top backup session singers in New York. Still is. I see him on TV all the time. You should start a talent agency. No, it's, that's okay. I'll pass on that one. But you know what's really interesting? Since I've been doing the podcast, you know who used to sing weddings? Uh, John Legend. He was a English lit major at University of Pennsylvania, Ivy Leagues, and he sang club dates throughout Philadelphia for the entire four years he was at Penn. Michael Blaze sang weddings up in Canada. He was discovered by David Foster at a wedding. And Adina Menzel sang in all, I'm sure, all the same catering halls we did in Long Island for years before she went to Broadway and started doing Rent and Wicked and everything else. So that's interesting that you say that because I saw Anita Baker not too long ago. She has this section where she calls it the cover section. And she sings like about four or five cover tunes. They were grounded in the club date wedding arena. And so she she explained that, but that's what she used to do. Like even even now, like she, somebody will call her and ask her to sing, you know, for whatever kind of wedding or corporate gig and she'll do it, which is a whole nother mindset. So People do what they got to do to survive. We're musicians. We're like chameleons, you know? Yeah. I tell everybody, I never, you know, even when I'm working here and, and people, how, well, how did you connect with this? And how did Oprah Winfrey get, and how did you, because I never look at, I, and I've, ne- I've always been like this. I've never, I've always looked at, at jobs as opportunities that I'm going to get. And I'm, it's, it's going to be yes, or it's going to be later. I never accept no, it's going to be yes. Or oh, later. So if I don't that's know. brilliant. Yes or later. I, I'm gonna now. I'm gonna keep that. That's gonna be my mantra. I'm telling you. So if I walk into situations and it's like, okay, I want this, and if they can't do it right then, then I figure out a way that they can do it later because this is what I want, and I know it's not gonna hurt anybody, and I can give you my best shot. So in me becoming friend, you know, Damon saying, Elizabeth, I need you to go and uh, sing a song or two at Ashford and Simpson. Well, I wasn't really like the club hopper person. Like I would do weddings, you know, to make money and gigs, but I would, I wasn't like, you know, every Thursday night at this club or every Tuesday, that just wasn't me. And, and it, this was oh, all right. So we should there. explain that Ashford and Simpson used to have a club. Sugar bar. Oh, the sugar bar. They had uh, the dressing room upstairs of the club. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's a beautiful brownstone, and I remember being upstairs getting dressed, and I thought, "Wow, they need to get rid of all these boxes because I mean, it's a gorgeous brownstone, but why are all these boxes?" And Doug, true story, I go and I from the ceil- from the floor, twenty-two foot ceiling, from the floor to the ceiling. I said, "Wait a minute, these aren't just boxes; these are these are awards." No, these are freaking subs. No way. From wall to wall, floor to ceiling, they were freaking uh, uh, check stubs from ASCAP. You serious? I remember taking pictures. I w- and I remember and I remember telling Damon, "Oh, M- these are ASCAP statements." Like, 
You have ASCAP statements from the floor to the ceiling, from wall to wall in this, on just on this one floor, just on this floor. Oh my God. This woman and Nick and their kids, 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 kids will never, I mean, he's, I mean, it's, it's, they will never have to work. I mean. All right. Talking about never having to work. Let's get to the color purple. Because you obviously do not hang out with small timers. Obviously, Oprah is one of the big producers. Ashford and Simpson are involved. And then Allie Willis writes the music. September, In the Stone, Boogie Wonderland, the theme song from Friends. This, that's crazy. One day I get this call and, and it was Nick. And he says, uh, hey, Elizabeth, uh, you coming down to the club today? And blah, blah, blah. I said, well, I'm not really sure. Nick, he said, well, um, I just got a call from Quincy Jones that, uh, Oprah Winfrey is looking for someone to play should. So I said, well, great. You know, they, they know, you know, Robin Givens and they know Jada Pinkett Smith. I'm like, okay, so call them. And so, so he hangs up the phone and then he calls back and he says, quote, Elizabeth, no, quote, you have the it factor. I want you to go in there and I want you to audition. And Valerie and I already talked about, talked about it. I'm not, and his exact words, you have the it factor and I'm not going to tell you everybody else that's auditioning. I just want you to go in there and do Elizabeth. And what was so intimidating was when I went to this audition in Midtown, I walked in and I see these ladies and I thought, there's no way in hell am I going into that room and going to embarrass myself like this. And I get ready to walk out. And it would just so happen, Bernie Telsey, the guy that owned the, the uh, place that we were auditioning, he said, where are you going, Elizabeth? And I was like, oh, well, I have to move my car. No, your time is coming up. That was the only reason why I came back. And long story short, I go in there and I was so nervous. This is the true gospel truth. I was so nervous and so intimidated that these icons were outside the door as I was auditioning inside that they gave me a side to read and Doug, I started crying. And so they thought, they thought, oh my God, this woman is brilliant. Like she's in the moment. Oh my God. Like this is our winner here. Like you were crying because you were so upset and they thought that you were crying because you were, you were in character. Yeah, like, I'm not going to get this. Like, why am I here? And so I started crying, and they thought, oh, my God, she's so true to her emotions. And so they said, well, Elizabeth, can you step outside? And I thought, oh, God, I'm done. I am ruined. And I walked outside, and I looked up. I never forget, I saw Robin Gibbonson up there like she was rehears- rehearsing my, the shit part. And so I, I waited, and I'm thinking, no, they're not going to embarrass me like this. And I get ready to walk out again. And the director, Gary, came over to me and he said, Elizabeth. And I said, yeah. And he walked out with Scott Sanders, one of the main producers. Congratulations, you got this part. And I said, oh, my God. And I just, I, I couldn't believe it. I just cried because, it, you know, I'm thinking all the work, like all the wedding bands, all the, the you know, the late hours, all the, the sacrifice had just come to a head for me. You know, the- it's kind of a remarkable story, actually. That's why I said I don't think that there's any small, medium, or large gig. Just like I came into New York and there was a wedding band that I just could not wait to perform with, Best Kept Secret, and then you allowed me to have that opportunity. It was the same as me entering this room and the creative team was uh, Brenda Russell. And so it was like I had to bring my, my A game. Elizabeth, that's what everybody's always loved about you. You don't, I don't think you have a B game. So... How, again, does Oprah fit into this whole project? Oprah is a megastar. She's like a mogul. She is like... Oh, she's the queen. I think she's the American version of the queen. She's the American <laughs> version of a queen. And when, when I was with Nick and Val at the house, it's just, just Oprah. 
it's just Gail, it's just Nick or Quincy Jones. Like these people are just people, very down to earth. It really is great to know. And it's great to know those people on a peer basis. Yeah. Like you're starring in the show. So you're doing something that they can't do. She's got a daytime show that 20 million people watch, you know, which is something that you can do, but you're peers. So tell me about Broadway. Tell me about being nominated for a Tony Award. This is some very cool stuff. Doing Broadway was, is fantastic because it, it taught and it teaches me uh, diligence. It teaches me discipline, uh, being on time. And, and you know, because when you're a musician, sometimes you can go, oh, the gig starts at 8, I'll be there at 8.15. But on Broadway, you can't be late. It's a domino effect. You can't be late with your lines on stage because... There are cues that the light person takes that the, that the orchestra has to have that the next actor off stage is waiting for. So it's such a, it's a whole nother level of discipline, which was awesome as I segue back into my solo career. Yeah, of course. Now your resume reads, you know, Tony Award nominated and Grammy Award nominated, right? Best Supporting Actress, yep, and uh, Grammy nominated. And again, I go back to the fact when I watch you do your business, I watched it because I saw what Damon brought home. I watched the business side of it quietly as I was singing front lines. I watched that. I watched uh, uh, Nick and Val. That has been like a foundation for me. But I'm so glad that they said that they that same thing that gave me the confidence to just hand you a microphone. This is a you know a client that we had just everyone in the band had just been busting their you know tails for for three and a half hours, and you walk in and I said, yeah. Just take it. I would love to be able to figure out that someday someone will listen to this and they'll say, that was my wedding. I'm actually literally reading your Wikipedia page that uh, Renee Lee Goldsberry played Nettie, went on to win the Tony Award for uh, Hamilton. And Hamilton, she's such a sweetheart. Well, move over, Renee Goldsberry. This is my friend Liz Withers singing Push the Button from the original Broadway cast album of The Color Purple. And all you red hot lovers, you ought to know what to do. You ought to know what to do. There ain't nothing wrong with nothing. That's right with both of you. That's right with both of you. <laughs> so when tonight you make your lover cry out like a lion roar, tell the neighbor your new kid and found the cream you're looking for. So here's obviously another side of you so we could show up your range a little bit. This is you uh, comforting a friend. Let's put it that way. Yeah, she uh, 
Celie was tormented to the point, I mean, she lost every ounce of self-confidence. And that's the whoopee part. That's the whoopee part, yeah. And she she didn't think she was beautiful. And and she was raped by her father and her grandfather. I mean, so many horrible things. Alice Walker... Alice Walker did an amazing job on The Color Purple, and, and nobody really thought that it would make it on Broadway because of the material, because of the subjects. But the closer we got to, you know, actually putting it there, we realized that there's a lot of people that have been through a lot of things, and so the, the show was embraced. And we found that there was a lot of people that felt like serious. They did not feel beautiful. So whenever Suge sang that song, it, it was almost like an anthem to those people. Like, yes, you are. You are beautiful. Wow. Who? And this was um, Stephen Bray and Brenda. Stephen, Allie, and Brenda. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. The whole process of the color purple is amazing, and the friendships that you make are amazing. Uh, there's beautiful sides to any kind of job that you take. And then there's ugly sides and they both make you strong, you know? And so, but that experience with the color purple and everybody in it was amazing. Um, And then after that first two years, a year, two years, whatever it was, uh, then they started bringing in uh, other headliners. So they brought in, you know, uh, Fantasia, they brought in Shaka Khan, they brought in B.B. Wanis. So they started doing different things to maintain it um, on Broadway. I see. So they brought in stars to, to keep it going. Yeah. Jennifer Hudson did the revival, right? She did the revival, yeah. She did it last year. How cool is that? And she had to follow your footsteps. Yeah, isn't that cool? I mean, that is like the coolest. It's been an amazing ride riding under the radar and still working, riding under the radar and still doing what I love the most while still raising my daughter. You know, and, and seeing the, the, the fruits of that. It's been very, very challenging sometimes, but it's, I wouldn't change a thing because it's what I've wanted to do. Liz, that is absolutely beautiful. We haven't even touched your solo career or let's definitely do a follow-up on this. But in the meantime, how do people stay in touch with you? How do people stay in touch with what you're doing and all that stuff? We should definitely do it again, but they can pick up. My most recent project is called Seek Love. Uh, and it's on all social media outlets and in stores. It's called Speak Love with me and Layla Hathaway and a couple of other amazing people. And when they're looking for you, it's uh, Liz with an S. It's Elizabeth with an S, Withers with an S. So if they want to find out what, what I'm doing now and the projects that are coming up, they can look for Elizabeth Withers on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, or you can follow me at oeot twenty twenty. Hashtag. That's O-E-O-T, standing for Orlando I on Talent 2020. So, Elizabeth, I, I couldn't be happier for your success. And, and it's what you expressed here tonight was, was just so great. That, that there are really great people that do what we do. Like you. So, but anyway, I love you, honey. I'm going to run, start running my errands right now. But call me, for, call me or Damon for anything. Thank you. I love you both. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So there's Liz Withers. Uh, Now that's the personality and that's the voice (laughs) that I felt fully confident handing her a mic at the end of uh, that terrific wedding. Um, Coming up, we've got some amazing guests. We've got uh, two pastors in California that are going to be coming on the show. 
they have their own podcast in LA called uh, Wedding Ceremony Podcast, and I'm really excited about that. I'd like to thank my good friend John Adams for providing us with this music that you're hearing now and all the intros and outros and background music that you hear on the podcast. And before I go, I'd like to dedicate today's episode to one of my original radio heroes, one of the great voices. His name was Frankie Crocker, and he would end every show by saying, I hope you live to be 100 and me 100 minus a day, so I'll never know that good people like you have passed away. And then he'd say goodnight by saying, Frankie loves you. Please reach out to me on Twitter at WedWisdomPod or on Facebook at Doug Winters BKS, and I will see you next week. See, it's not as cool as Frankie loves you, but you get the idea. <laughs>